Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, a podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, coming from myself, Laurie Dunsire, and also the man in the States, Mark Donaldson. Hello, how are you? I'm not bad, thanks. It's coming up to International Weekend, so there's always that sort of malaise around the world, because no one likes International Weekend, do they? The best thing about International Weekend, this one, is there isn't another one until March. I thought you were going to say that we, that we don't have to watch Hearts. But, um, oh, oh, burn. It's kind of getting that way just now, I suppose. I mean, Hearts are definitely not going to score this weekend. And uh, they, ha- yeah. they, they haven't scored for what seems like an eternity now. Well, um, we are over six hours of football now. Do you know what? Watching them's not bad. It's just frustrating that they can't score right now. It's 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 all good until the until the, <laughs> the the end product. I guess on that note, we can just get straight into it. Uh, unfortunately, every week I'm I'm just going straight into these just to kind of get out of the way in some in some respects. But Hearts were in action against Kilmarnock in the weekend just past. And this is on the back of three games without a win, three games without a goal. We were hoping. This might be the match, with all due respect to Kilmarnock, who are a very good side. But this might be the game, especially at home, that Hearts might find a bit of rhythm again. And it looked like it might be that way for parts of this game, but it obviously didn't transpire um, into what would be a positive result at all for Hearts. But Mark, what we spoke about last time really was, I suppose, the setup for Craig Levine. He admitted he got it wrong against Celtic. We've seen teams with... Uh, let's see, not enough width or maybe not enough options in attack. Um, in terms of the team, when it came out and looked at it, and it was basically one position away from the team, one player away from the team that we had hoped for. So he, he went with four four two. Craig Levine, he took Mitchell, he, he put Garuccio in. So the back four and obviously goalkeeper was what we were looking for. He put Callum Morrison in from the start, which we'd also asked for on the right wing. Uh, Craig Whiten got in, which we'd also wanted up front. So four four two, two players in attack, Morrison out wide. This was the only thing that maybe we'd hoped for was a bit of width on the left as well. But I understand why in the end he, he went with that kind of lopsided midfield that we've seen a few times it's a it's a small pitch at Tynecastle. he maybe expects Ben Guruccio to get up and down on the left so he played it slightly lopsided now we've seen Arnold Jume generally being the left of that midfield four even if he is a little bit more central than what Morrison would be on the other side but it was generally Ollie Lee who was dropping out there for large parts of the Kamarnik game which was a bit different but in terms of the setup, Mark, I saw that team and I was quite happy with it. Yeah, we can't now turn around having said that that's pretty much the team we wanted with the exception of one or two tweaks and then say that, oh, he got it wrong with his team selection when we'd agreed that that's what we'd like to have seen or pretty close to it. I mean, the the differences between what went out onto the pitch and what we'd suggested were... Mitchell at left mid in front of Garuccio, mm-hmm. and we still haven't really seen that, so we don't know if it works or or if it doesn't. And and we've said before, games like Dundee away were an opportunity to do and to play and to try something like that. I I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I, I've seen I've seen some teams do something similar before, whereby you're giving a lot of leeway to your fullback 
not full backs because it's impossible to kind of play with no forward width with that width only provided by your two fullbacks if you're playing four at the back. If you're playing with wing backs, you can do that because you've got protective cover at the back. But it's very hard um, to have kind of four narrow or three narrow in midfield and have two fullbacks bombing forward whenever possible, unless you're Real Madrid and you know you're going to get a lot of the ball. So I, I have seen it before where you go with um, one fullback and, and one wide midfielder in front of him and one fullback with not really anything in front of him. Do you know what? It, it's, it reminds me of Robbie's team um, about two, well, two years, two to three years ago when we were first back up in the Premiership and he often played the four four two, but it was on the right where he didn't have the midfield width. He would usually have Boab in, in that kind of lopsided midfield and his thinking behind that was always clearly because Callum Patterson was on the right and yes, he relied yes. on Callum Patterson to basically play two roles, which to be fair, he wasn't actually bad at at times, but I did always feel like it was slightly imbalanced when you did it that way. Yeah. Well, th- think about what you've just said and the games that Hearts played um, those uh, formations against the teams that they did. They were against teams um, that you knew you were going to get a lot of the ball. You knew that you were heavily favoured in the match to win it. So it, you got away with it. I don't mind that. As I say, I've, I, I commentate on a lot of football. I've seen it before um, where you know you're going to get more of the ball than the opposition. And we did. The, the bottom line is not the fullbacks, um, not the wide midfielders to an extent. It's the lack of creativity after that. Mm-hmm. And that creativity is, is provided by the midfield um, and the strikers as well. But so much of the ball, I would, uh, I would say if we were playing now, I, I, I don't think we would have scored many goals if we'd continually kept playing. Just the way it was going. And I've seen... Kilmarnock go to Celtic Park and go to Ibrox. And, and they play a similar formation. They play four at the back. They play a, a five to three tight midfielders. And, and Chris Boyd, um, not isolated, but up front on his own. And they, they force you to, to try and break them down. But they're very good at breaking you down with less of the ball than you have. And that's what happened. We were just, um, we were toothless in attack. And my concern is... Uh, how does it get better before the players come back from injury? And I mean, looking at Kilmarnock, we don't always go into too much depth on the opposition, but going into this game, I have to say I was not apprehensive, but I wasn't optimistic. I I know Kilmarnock are a good side, and under Steve Clark, they become very solid. As you say, really difficult to break down. Um, But I looked at their team. I knew they were going to miss Greg Stewart, who's obviously a big part of their creative side. He was suspended. But there was a lot of shock around the press room, uh, even those who cover Kilmarnock, even the Kilmarnock media side of things. When we looked at the Kilmarnock team, Jamie McDonald was out, Jordan Jones was out, Stephen O'Donnell was out. Um, and with Greg Stewart out as well, arguably Kilmarnock had their four best players not playing. Jamie McDonald, it turns out, had a slight knock. Uh, there was talk that he was just dropped initially. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell was injured. He was taken out. You know, Scotland International. Um, Jordan Jones, who... I would say certainly from the times I watched Kilmarnock is their most most talented player in possession. So I thought the game was set up for Hearts to, to I guess, take the game to Kilmarnock. And 
they certainly took the game in terms of possession. They had over 60% throughout the game. And although the first half started quite even as it wore on, I felt when we got to halftime, Mark, we'd started to up the ante. We'd started moving the ball around quicker. And although we weren't getting clear chances, we were getting in the right positions. And halftime in a game, you know, a football game, you'll know yourself, is often like a game of chess. It's not, you don't always make your move straight away. But I thought we'd got to a good position. I thought we started to to feel our way into the game. We'd started to get the likes of Doom and, and Lee on the ball. And I thought Craig Whiten and Stephen McLean looked like they were linking up reasonably well. And I thought this is set up to kick on for the second half. The second half frustrated me more than most parts of Hearts games this season, though. I, I don't know how you felt about it, but it really disappointed me. It was when they scored. Um, there were still 17 minutes remaining. And we made a couple of changes after that. Sean Clare came on for Stephen McLean and Dimitri Mitchell came on for Ben Garuccio. But it was a little bit of rearranging the deck chairs and the Titanic and that you you pretty much... You didn't know it was a fait accompli, but it didn't really change much. And it was just frustrating. It was just frustrating. And look, you can analyse this as much as you want. And, and we're now, what, Wednesday when the game was at the weekend. Um, I think there comes a time where you, you have to draw the line under something. And when you do that, you have to analyse it um, one final time. With reg- I mean, Craig Levine will, will obviously keep going before the next game against St Mirren with the international break, the, the players that he still has that he can work with. Um, but what can we learn from that Kilmarnock game that will give us a better chance of first of all scoring, never mind beating, but just scoring against St Mirren. Um, we should be beating them. It's away from home. Our our record this season is better than it's been. But teams have struggled there, and they're they're now fighting tooth and nail um, with Dundee. There's a bit of a gap at the foot of the table, and I think it's going to be between them to to see who finishes bottom and who finishes. Um, in the playoff spot. So I think what we need to know is that we're going to have to fight. So you want your team to be set up against St Mirren to to be able to fight. And I know we're not going to preview that just now because we're going to do that next week. But as as far as where are the goals coming from, I mean, you need more creativity. So does that bring in Harry Cochran? Um, You need a bit more width. So we don't know if Callum Morrison is going to be fit. He's had to withdraw from the Scotland under-20 side. We've still got Anthony McDonald, and I know Craig Levine doesn't want to put them um, too many in at once, but now it's got to be a case of if you're good enough and you're creative enough, then it shouldn't matter what age you are. It concerned me a little, though, I suppose the game, the two Celtic defeats, disappointing, but the bottom line is you're against better sides. You know, Celtic have much better players available to them probably should be getting beat 5-0. Levine admitted he got that wrong. But if Celtic were on their game and Hearts were on their game, Celtic would have still won. Uh, the Hibs game, yeah, we, we maybe didn't find a way through them, but not the end of the world. It was a point under some mitigating circumstances. But, I mean, looking at that side, you take the defensive the, the defensive players were missing out of it because I don't think DeCamona and Dunn have looked. They've looked very capable, and I don't think that was an issue at all against Kilmarnock either, generally. Moving forward, we're missing Stephen Naismith, who's a great player, and Nucci Iqbiezu, who's obviously a big target man. But I felt we had enough out there that we should be creating more and potentially getting some goals. I, I still think Craig Whiten looks a potentially good player. Stephen McLean's an experienced striker. 
what worried me was when we got into wide areas or central areas, I wasn't sure what our plan was. We we saw, we often, there was a period where we kept playing the ball out wide then cutting back in and playing it short to the edge of the box and feeding out to the other side of the park. And I thought we made it so easy for Kilmarnock to defend it. And that concerned me a lot more than the previous three games as to what is our idea here? We're, we're missing our big strong striker who can maybe rough up defences, win headers, win flick-ons. And we're missing a player who basically is just a cut above the rest and can pull goals out and make runs that others don't make but do, do you i don't know if it's maybe if i'm going to be if i'm being over critical i just think we should be doing better with what we had out there i know there's circumstances that players aren't there but kamarnik had arguably more bigger players out than we did yeah yeah and, and that's true um it, it's hard because you could go in with tackety boots and and kind of swing for the fences and criticize x y and z I don't, I don't see the point of that. I'm, I'm hopeful it's just one of those days. The problem is it's, it seems to be one of those days quite often now. And you're right about the Celtic game, um, the Kilmarnock game. Uh, there were elements of the similarities with the Hibs game as well and the, mm-hmm. a fair bit of the ball. Kilmarnock didn't... See, there's the thing. Kilmarnock didn't create as much as Hibs, yet got a better result than Hibs did as well. It was one, If that had finished nil-nil... Um, Kelly would have taken the point. Uh, Hearts would have been frustrated, but it's it's just one of those things. It's it's one of those games, and you you can't criticise too much because you're you're then living in the immediate aftermath of a match. If a player, sorry, if a team loses, the manager must go, or it's not good enough, and booze and everything. It's hard. It's so so hard, and it's very difficult when we're Hearts fans to to. Because you've got to practice what you pre- practice what you preach, and that's not easy when you when you say patience. And there's no point in me saying, "Oh, look, look at the bigger picture," because that that can come out every single week as well. I think we now have a good time for a kind of reset because we've got what nine, ten players away. Um, some of the under twenty ones, some of the full squads, and, and whatever. But there's still a decent crux of of players left at Rickerton that Greg Levine can work on things with as well. Um, hopefully within the next month or so, we'll have some players back uh, back as well. Do you know what? Even if it's just get them on the training ground, get them bumping the ball in the back of the net just to get their, their confidence up because maybe that's, maybe that's all it is. You, 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 you get in a rut and it's hard to get out of that. But just like momentum, when you're on a good run like Hearts were, things go well and and you keep going. We've now got to get back to, to where we were and we've got games coming up against St Mirren, which should be winnable, St Johnston, which will be tough, Motherwell at home and, and Livy away, plus a game against Rangers. So I'm not going to say I want X points from that. We've just got to concentrate on getting three points a, a, against St Mirren and hope that Kilmarnock was a blip. So last week... Mark asked, uh, the the homework that he likes to put out there was on players who, who never quite lived up to their billing, players who either came to hearts with a big reputation or big fanfare and there was a lot expected of them and they didn't deliver or they didn't deliver at hearts and then mysteriously went on to look much better players. Uh, later on, obviously, I think you talked about Mauricio Pena as one of them who was very successful in Syria. Ah, so we got some feedback on this, which was good. And um, Ross on Twitter, RXSS74, 
actually said uh, Jolice, or however it's spelled, he said, who, who came with a decent reputation, did he not? And that's obviously in reference to Alexandros Jolis, the uh, Greek midfielder who was signed just recently um, under Ian Cathro and looked like such a imp- potentially impressive midfielder that he even had that song recorded about him as well. And he's one of these, Mark, who I guess undoubtedly had a heap of ability. You could just see that with sometimes the way he touched the ball and the way he played it around and the way he read the game. But very quickly started to look rather disinterested. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this is a player who got over 70 caps for his country. He's actually still in the Greek squad regularly at the moment. Plays in Saudi Arabia now. Um, played for Panathinaikos, played for Monaco, played in the Europa League final with Bremen. So... Where did it go wrong with him? Because I have to say, when I first saw him, I was excited as well. He looked a calibre of player that we don't usually see at Hearts. But very quickly, he just looked like, quite frankly, he couldn't be arsed. There's no I in team. Now, there's an I in Alexandros Cholis, (laughs) but there's no I in team. Panionios, Panathinaikos... Boomed to Werder Bremen on loan. Siena chucked to Racing Santander on loan. Permanent. Monaco didn't like it. Apoel on loan. Paok. Kayserispor on loan. Heart of Midlothian. Alfaya. Now, that tells me a few things. But judging by some of the comments about some of the people who were his teammates at the time as well and others who dealt with him, really good player. But if you were in the trenches, you wouldn't want him alongside you because I don't think he was, I think it was, um, I think it was all about him um, in that that'll get you so far, but selfishness um, in a team when everyone else is trying and someone can't be bothered getting back or, or whatever. And I'm not giving you specific incidents because I don't, I don't know of any specific incidents in games that where, where that happened, but um, you don't play for that many teams and you don't get chucked out on loan four times from the team that you're at, if you're an integral part of the furniture. So as as much as he was a, a good player, and he's still part of the Greek squad, I just think he thought he was a lot better than he was. And hence, at the age of 33 now, he's, he's playing in Saudi Arabia or, or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think he thought Hearts was beneath him. And I think he's thought a lot of the teams he's because you look at these some of the, the teams he's played for I mean, we, we mentioned them there's some damn good sides in there I just think he realized pretty quickly throughout his hearts or in, in his hearts career in the early stages that this wasn't for him and uh, it was no surprise he was punted after uh, after a handful of games next up as one of the <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one to talk about a player who was who was built up almost as much as the Ang Jun Wan signing that never happened back in back in the days of you writing books, Marks about, uh, about <laughs> Hearts. Um, a player. Oh my who, God! A player who was uh, the, the, not the this player is a bit beyond that time, but a player who was famed for often tweeting about God being good, and unfortunately, Juan Oshiniwa was not <laughs> good. Now, this is someone who. I can't even remember how many tens or even hundreds of pages his thread had on kickback before we'd even signed him. This was this was the World Cup star, but however many years after Mr. Romanov had originally promised us one, it was, um, I guess it was maybe Mrs. Budge's 
version of this. Um, and he came with such a fanfare. You know, he'd played against Messi, he'd played in the World Cup, a Nigerian international. We'd been crying out for a left back for what seemed like an eternity. And here he was, the answer to all our prayers. And he just turned out to be terrible. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. A couple of, you could see it in some games, just he would do bizarre things, try pirouettes down at the edge of his own box. It didn't come off. He he would often try a cross from just inside the opponent's half and it would clear the crossbar by 20 yards. And Don't get me wrong. Sometimes these players turn up the, the more birthdays who've you maybe had a, a random great game that someone saw and it's been misrepresented and passed on. But this is a guy who had played for his country a fair few times. He'd played at the World Cup and Nigeria are not a nonsense footballing nation. You know, they've, they've had some decent results down the years. How on earth did Juan Oshiniwa get to where he was and end up being so bad? Rice and Bowley played at a couple of World Cups for Algeria and... But he was never bad at hearts. He just never played. Well, we don't know if he was going to be good or bad at hearts. You're right. We, but we know he, he that Oshinua was bad. Oh, yeah, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> um, be, beware of players that have had a good game at the World Cup. And then you sign them on the back of that. Having not really heard of them or not really being brought to their attention prior to a World Cup. And then, boom, they play at a World Cup. They do something. And they end up... Uh, well, that, that's that's the fr- that's the front, the middle, and the rear of their showreel that's been put together by <laughs> their agent, um, Stefan Givars. Remember him? I do. Well, the guy who won the World Cup with France and then ended ended up at Rangers. Correct. And how many goals did he score at the World Cup in '98? Uh, can't None. remember. None. Didn't know he didn't get any, did he? No. Did he None. play? Uh, he played most of the games. He was he wore the number nine for M. Um You can look at that and you can say, well, hey, Giroud did the same and he won the World Cup as well in uh, in Russia. Um, but again, we've seen play- there was a there was a player. This is before your time. Um, Brazilian fullback, nearly signed for Dundee United, uh, Josimar. I mean, this boy could. He was brilliant to watch in the 86 World Cup. Again, back then, we didn't see, you hardly get Brazilian football on the telly now, although you can find it far easier than you used to be able to. And Dundee United uh, were apparently keen um, to, to sign him. There have been a host of players that have been signed by clubs on the back of what they've done at World Cups, uh, whether it's one moment or a whole tournament of moments or, or whatever, and they've been honking. Ever since, and Juan Oshiniwa is one of those. Um, you say you say to anybody who watched that World Cup, uh, Oshiniwa, and if they were playing, paying particular attention to Nigeria, they would have, I'm sure, said, "Oh, he had, had a pretty good game against Lionel Messi." Um, there was no Lionel Messi in Scotland with Hearts. It was just Messi, <laughs> very Messi. And he's not played since. He's not even had a club since Hearts. He's, he's not he's played. Rich, though. He's not, he's not playing a game since May 2016. I mean, that that is that in itself is bizarre though. He's not even dropped down multiple levels or anything. He's just not he's just not bothered anymore. And you, you wonder how much sorry, Laurie, you you wonder how much money Hearts have just um, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, pissed up against the wall <laughs> with Juwan Oshiniwa, 
um, Mal Mallory Martin, and a few others as well. Um, like not every signing is going to work, but it's frustrating when you, in a week where we've we've seen the um, the accounts, very positive accounts coming out of Tyne Castle. You always kind of being Scottish, looking for negative things. You always think, well, what about the money we spent on Oshinewa? What about the money we spent on Martin and or spending uh, and, and various others as well? But that, that's that's what it is. Um, Oshinewa is another one. Right, next, what we got? Let's have a look through. Uh, Super Sai mentioned the Bosnian Bullet. We we have mentioned Mirslad Bislica as well, of course, Hearts record signing. Probably don't need to go into too much more depth on him. We all know how that one worked out. Um, Lewis McKenzie mentioned one, which um, I don't know if you've got more of an insight on this one. Uh, Dimitru Kopil, um, who <laughs> was, I remember him well. I remember him becoming amazing in Football Manager at the time. And I remember how much we bigged him up. The next Haji, uh, he was world soccer's, in, well, in World Soccer's top 50 young footballers to watch. Uh, one of the brightest youngsters in Europe when Hearts signed him. And, yeah, just never got to the first team. Just never happened. Yeah. A bit like a Branimir Kostadinov at that point as well. Oh, <laughs> if you knew what I was looking at on my phone right now, I've got his phone number. His father gave me his phone number one day when I was <laughs> fourth or whatever. I was like, why do, why do I need this? Oh, trust me, he, he will one day be be world class and, and you can you can get in on the ground floor. I'm like, oh, I've still got it. Zero zero four three. I'll not read the whole thing. Um, but yeah, there, there's similarities between. I mean, Costa. I, I remember dealing with Kostarinov's dad, and he was a bit pushy. And I don't know what the deal was with 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 Kopiel. I remember speaking to I think his agent or maybe his dad or something back then. Um, not quite a Ugandan phone call. I think it was a bit <laughs> cheaper to phone Romania back then, but I don't think I ever did. Um, yeah, he he was another one. Um, while were on the subject of kind of youngsters with high uh, hopes or hearts had high hopes for, for players. Um, can I give you one here, mm -hmm. yeah. please, with a story? Okay. Um, I, as you know, um, used to write for various um, publications and, and whatever. So I, I used to write for the Jamble back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I did, I think, three or four pieces each month one was with chris robinson about plans for the future and various things just an update which would now of course be taken care of in-house by the pr department and, and whatever but another one i did a monthly feature um probably back in 2000 called following striker ryan and every month i would call up Ryan Davidson, who was doing really well for the, the reserves and the. the I, I vaguely remember his name. Yeah, actually. yeah. Uh, he played twice for the first team, Ryan. He was a really, really nice kid. He was an Ayrshire boy from from Irvine and ended up at Irvine Meadow. Um, before, and I, I was doing some research before um, I, sp I was sp speaking to you this evening, he ended up going to Australia, which I'm not sure if he's still out there, but he went to play out there and seemed pretty settled. But he only played a couple of times um, for Hearts against Dundee and against Livingston um, in the league. So it never worked out for him. That was in 2001, 2002 season that he played. But there was another one. So you can add your Kopil, your Kostadinov, players with uh, a lot of uh, hype by certain people. 
um, that just didn't work out. And, and Ryan Davidson, um, I did a season with him, I think 2000, 2001. He then got into the first team for a couple of games, lost contact with him. And I believe certainly eight years ago, he, he emigrated maybe to Australia, where he certainly played over there. But a bit like our, our friend from the first um, two or three episodes of Scarves Around the Funnel, uh, our dear pal Gary, who we still haven't heard from. Still haven't located. Um, no, we haven't. And, and Ryan Davidson can be added. We could, we could have some sort of, um, where are they now? Let's let's reunite some players um, who were at hearts and it didn't really work out or, or whatever. But Ryan Davidson was another player who, uh, having written about him for a year, he never really kicked on from there um, and sadly didn't make it at hearts. Another player who I guess didn't make it at Hearts, but did play a few more games, uh, mentioned by Mental Father Seventy Nine. Um, Goodness, interesting Twitter handle there, Jamie Mole, and he. Um, oh he, my god! Now he accompanied Jamie Mole with a gif of a rhino pooping, um, which, <laughs> <laughs> which probably says says all you need to to know about that one. I think a lot of people. When you think of Jamie Moe, think of that uh, game in Athens. Mm, when you've we st- read my mind. We still had a good chance of getting through to the Champions League group stage despite the first leg result. And yeah, that was always a strange option and surprisingly didn't work. No, we lost 2-1 at home. So it was yeah. always going to be tough going over to the Olympic Stadium. And I remember um, travelling with... Uh, the team as we did back then I was commentating for uh, for Hearts I think it was and we got the team sheet and it was some talk that Jankowskis and it was either one of them Jankowskis or Pania might not feature um, but they both travelled with the rest of the squad and then we got the starting lineup. we got the team sheet Craig Gordon Robbie Nielsen Takis Fisas back home Captain Stephen Presley Paul Hartley wearing number 10 Christoph Berra, Solius Mikolunas, Julian Brelier, Davidis Chesnauskas, Neil McCann. You're thinking so far so good. Is it going to be Pania or Jankowskis? Jamie Mole. 18 years old, making his second appearance, started up front. And then you kind of knew, no, it's not happening. Was that a, was that a Vlad Fax machine one, do you think? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Valdas was in charge. So, who picked the team? It's not a bad side up until Jamie Moe. Jamie Moe was a nice kid. He was just nowhere that, I mean, goodness me. To be fair, so I, th- mo- I think I'm all right. I think I'm nice enough, but I would be also, I'd also be terrible if you'd stuck me up front. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, what's the what's the difference? He's not even an, a Jankowskis light. He's 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 someone who I don't know what he went on to do. Blythe Spartans, I think. Well, there you go. <laughs> Maybe he found his level. Again, I, I don't want to be critical of someone who's achieved something that I would have loved to have done. Played for Hearts. But oh I just, yes, yeah, I know what you mean. The, I mean. the one thing that stopped me playing from Hearts was I'm absolutely hopeless. So. Jamie Mole in attack. There's there's an element of a, a British Arcadius Klimek. The only thing we didn't see was Jamie Mole on a horse. <laughs> Do you remember the Klimek 
I do. Um, the, I do. Yeah. The, 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 there was a, a tie-up between Hearts and Musselburgh Racecourse, and obviously all the good players were training or have it on a day off, I think it was. So they they got poor Arkadiusz Klimek, the Polish striker. It sounds like something you'd clean your kitchen with. I, I'm okay, I've got some Arcadius Klimek today. I'll be fine. Um, and someone, honestly, I don't. someone decided it would be a good idea, I don't know if it was Lawrence Brody or whoever it was at the Hearts at the time, and if it wasn't, I apologise, Lawrence, for that. Let's put him on a horse. And that picture still, that's the one. Haunts anybody, you, does it? doesn't haunt me, but anybody says that player's name, the first thing you think of is that poor horse. And I should say you're right about Jamie Moore that it's you never want to criticize. It's never it's never a player's fault, and it's it's whoever puts them into these games. You're not going to say, in fact, boss, don't put me in. I'm not quite sure I'm good enough for this because you're going to take opportunities. And it was just one of those names that people unfortunately associate with very bad heart strikers. And Grumpy Dad on Twitter actually just said every young striker since Robbo as players who haven't lived up to the hype. And although it's maybe gross generalization. You kind of get his point. There have been a lot. It's true. It's true. It's it's like when I used to do the Brazilian commentaries, we used to do Santos. Everybody was the next Pele or everybody after Neymar was, was the next Neymar. You're always looking for someone. And I mean, the pressure of the next Robo, we, we never really had one, did we? Nope. Still still looking for it. Um, David McKaig said Mauricio Pena as well. Gavin Wallace said, two that I, I'm not sure... I can agree with those. I understand where it's coming from. Vincent Geran is one, and we we mentioned him. And to be fair to Vincent, uh, he came to Hearts at the end of his career, really. So, and it was a very poor Hearts team that season, ninety eight, ninety nine. So, I get where he's coming from, but he was never really going to be the same Geran who was a star for Paris Saint Germain and played for France. But that that was that's part of the reason for the question as I well. I guess, Players, I guess, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like. I mean, Sandy Jarden, God rest his soul, was such a big help when he came to Hearts. We didn't get the best of Sandy Jarden. Rangers did. Um, but Still one player of the what, year, though. Yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. But what could he have done? If we'd got the best of him, what could we have done? Um, Mo Johnson, Gordon Jury. We, we've spoken about all these players. And, and Garan was another one. Um, and and that was that was a side that... I'm just having a look at what age... Um, he was so he was thirty three. Okay, that's actually um, that's actually slightly younger than I had in my head. I... Yeah, I mean, r- right talent. I mean, when he play, I think he played for PSG. He, he was the right talent. And again, I'm I'm trying not to go off on too many tangents. I'm trying to keep it <laughs> within reason. I've got I've got someone else like that, and someone I really enjoyed watching. But someone when he was in his prime, oh, he was a bastard to play against because he was <laughs> so good. But then he came to Hearts, Jim Bet. I mean, Jim Jim Bet when he came to Hearts still had it. He, he didn't have the pace, um, but he was someone that you could see he was quality. And there was a there was an element of of that in Peter Van de Ven um, when when he came as well. But Bet was Bet was a player, and we got we got post Jim Bet. Uh, we've had pre a few others, and that was the whole point of the question about players that Hearts maybe didn't get the best of. Um, they either got the before or they got the after. Robert Tomashek was also mentioned by Gavin. Oh, yeah, good player. I, I had Tomashek in the back of a shirt. I really liked him. And yeah, injury really scuppered him. I thought he was such a, a big presence in midfield when he was on his game, you know, charging forward. He was quite quite gangly. I remember 
remember him playing at Celtic Park in that three-two win, and I think that's it was around that time when he'd mentioned that Moravchik had told him he should definitely come to Scotland, and I had a lot of time for Tomashek as a player. I think we actually spent about seven hundred thousand on him, if I remember, not far off what we spent on Bezlija. But I, I do get where he's coming from in that that he didn't end up living living up to the billing, but I think injury just completely scuppered him career-wise. Yeah. Uh, a couple of others, um, Jeremy Goss. Oh, yeah, Ian, Ian Lenny mentioned him on Twitter, I think. Yeah, uh, Lenny's a good friend of mine from Pennycoot. We used to, to go to the games together. And and Goss was someone who was obviously remembered mostly by mm-hmm. the the uh, Norwich fans. Um, that win in, 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 <laughs> in Bayern against Munich, as McAnally would say. Um, there were there's there's a few players like that. Stefan Pai was all. Do, do I remember him playing in a Coca Cola Cup semi final at Easter Road? I think I do. Um, he he had talent, but I think he had other interests away from football that uh, prevented him from reaching what I think he might have been capable of of reaching. Pick out a few more. Bruce Cormack gave us a whole list of players. Craig Nelson, Gordon Petrich, Dennis Wynes. Uh, Kevin Twaddle was one that, as soon as he mentioned that, it was a sort of facepalm. And I, I really felt for Kevin Twaddle because I know he was a big hearts man and he famously got to play in the 5-1 win at Tynecastle, but he just looked a mile off what was needed for hearts. I remember whenever... It was a, it was a Levine signing as well, actually. Levine Mark one. He's a nice kid, Kevin. He went on and played for Pennycook, um, who, again, um, without wanting to get involved in any litigious behaviour, I, I think they stupidly gave him his um, signing on fee as a lump sum to begin with, rather than instalments. And um, he didn't play very often after that. I think that was due to injury. But just, I, I didn't work with him, but I knew him to an extent. Really nice kid. Um, tricky winger. Uh, always played all right against Hearts when he was at Motherwell. Um, so he was another one. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Andrew Petrie, my uh, commentator on Hearts TV, had mentioned Oshiniwa, surely, but he also mentioned a couple of more recent ones as well, Bjorn Jonsson and Perry Kitchen. And Bjorn Jonsson was one that I always felt Hearts missed out on the best of him, which I guess is the point in the, in the question. Um, he's done really well in Dutch football since leaving Hearts and I was kind of disappointed that we ended up losing him I thought in the right team with the right management maybe under Craig Levine he could have really flourished and he would be a kind of player that Craig Levine would have liked I think yeah and and here's an example of a guy who after Hearts went to uh, one of the weaker Dutch sides in Ado Den Haag but they're still playing in the Eredivisie and he scored better than a goal every two games. He got mm-hmm. 19 and 36. And he ended up moving for 2.3 million euros to <laughs> AZ. Now, he's got three goals in five starts, albeit he's come off the bench more um, for them. But he was always a player. Speaking of a few boys over here who knew him from the, the kind of um, the, either the international setup um, where they thought, this is like, going way back where they thought they had a chance of of persuading him to to maybe join up with the US team eventually he ended up playing for for Norway um became a, a Norwegian international but there was always that kind of yeah this kid's got a chance i think 
in, in any sport, not just in football, there's so many um, players. Some get lucky. Some maybe aren't the best juniors or, or youngsters, and, and they find a way. There's so many different paths to, to get to where you either want to get to or to get into the game. I know David Weir. I like David Weir. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, and he was over here at college. Uh, before he went to Falkirk. So he started later, but he, he learned things about how to look after his body and nutrition and everything like that. Well, he was way ahead of the game. And there was no surprise. He was still playing. So still play. He was still playing when he was like 84. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's different ways to get there, but the number of players, I mean, we've, how many have we just gone through? Ryan Davidson, all the way through, Copio, Kostadinov. Um, and then you get to, that's the younger level. Then you get to the level of kind of, it just didn't work out for some reason. You're Bjorn Johnson, you're Perry Kitchen, and you're guys like that. There's so many what might have been for Hearts, but I mean, we've got what we've got now, and, and hey, we're, we're not doing too bad with them. So this week we have got some, we've got something extra uh, before we go into the homework, which Mark likes to dish out, which is a bit different this week in itself anyway. Um, but we've very kindly been given something which is going to become a, a competition prize. A, a few people might have seen this already. It's been quite well advertised. Um, Paul Mitchell's done some voiceover stuff for, for the video promotion of it. It's the, the taxi game. Uh, the taxi board game, which is themed for different clubs. So I've been given a copy of this in the the Hearts format, of course. So the Heart of Midlothian FC taxi board game. Uh, if you've not seen the adverts, um, it's uh, just been released. It's uh, a sequel to a game from two years ago developed by Derek Carroll, who is a hippie, uh, co-owner of the ventures Gordon Drysdale, who's a jambo. Um, basically, it's a trivia-based game. Uh, so let's say a hearts-themed cross between Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit, which involves making your way around the board, answering trivia questions on hearts and earning fares as you go. Uh, there's also other features such as a sound-off part where you've got to reel off as many um, keywords related to a certain subject printed on a card. So all hearts-related trivia. So a bit of fun maybe to get folk around the table over the Christmas period. Potential stocking filler. So... We're going to give this copy away. Um, I'm going to test Mark. I've just pulled a couple of cards out. I will put them back in. Um, let me see, Mark. Uh, who were the only two players to win caps for Scot? Two Hearts players to win caps for Scotland in the 1970s. Whoa! You just chucked this on me. I was born in 77. So were they before or after that? Oh, I don't know. I'm just reading off. Of I, I don't know. Who, who, who were they? Donald Ford and Jim Cruikshank. Um, That's what I was going to say. Could, I could have asked the question above it, but I thought it would be too easy. That was in the 98 Scottish Cup. Who, along with Grant Murray, was an unused substitute? John Robertson. Yeah, you'll get that one. Uh, okay, maybe this one for you then. Which club did John Cahoon sign for when he left Hearts in 91? Sunderland? Nope. Right country. Mill, oh no no no, who was it? No no, you were about to say it. You were about to say Millwall. It. it was, yeah. He did go to Millwall, didn't he? So I, I won't give away too many, but you get the idea. So those are the type of type of questions we got in there. Should have so, got Donald Ford. Yeah, that was just. I need more. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it's got to be within the realms of when I kind of try and remember going to games. To be fair, that I did flick through them and try and find one that wasn't too recent, just to be a. <clears throat> 
Um, okay, so Mark, okay, can, we, can I can I ask you um, or ask our listeners one question as well yeah, before sure, I, before I set sure. this question? How many yards offside was Walter Kidd <laughs> when he crossed, or just <laughs> after um, when he crossed from Mike Galloway to Vienna, score the winner in, in Vienna? I, th- there's got to be a camera angle or a still that shows that Kidd was onside because. The TV cover is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And we would never have got as far as Bayern. I mean, it's all if buts and maybes and if Colhoun had scored against Bayern in Munich and all that. But that game, um, the Austria-Vienna game in the Prater Stadium, he just looked so many yards offside. And <laughs> we scored. And off he went behind the goal, Galloway, and the rest is history. I should mention, yeah, Amoruso lets it run. Wonderful name, the twitter account which has some really good videos that's where i think i saw that shared uh, so give them a follow there at amaruso 1998 and uh, another thing about that video look out for jimmy sanderson in full jimmy sanderson style he's really got the perm uh, rock, <laughs> rocking in that one so yeah it's a, it's a good video to watch uh, but mark tell us about so we've got a, we've got a competition prize which we're gonna decide who gets it next week um, tell us how people can win it Quite simple. Every week I set a question and give you homework. Um, your homework this week is to come up with your homework for next week. <laughs> so the most creative person um, to come up with the most creative suggestion as to what your homework should be for next week, hearts related. And if you want any clues as to what we've done so far, and you may haven't listened to all, all our uh, previous episodes are available on um, various platforms. But what the question is this week is, is simple. Please come up with your homework for next week, which is hearts related. And the most creative suggestion for next week's homework will win a copy of the board game. How's that? That's good. Excellent. So, yeah, put a question out there. If it's a question that, that gives... I guess the most interesting answers as well, something that both Mark and I can consider and give our feedback to, um, then yeah, just go for it. Let's just be creative, give us some feedback. So yeah, give us the homework that we'll put to the listeners and answer ourselves with whatever it is, trivia questions, stats questions, something based around hearts, of course, and uh, we'll pick the best one and they will get a copy of the, this board game. I'll put the questions I've taken out back in. And that could be a good stocking filler for someone. Um, so that brings us to the end this week. As Mark mentioned earlier, we're not going to preview the submitting game because we are going to give you uh, an episode next week, mainly because it's international weekend and we figure people will be bored and have nothing else to do. So this could be the real last resort to give you some kind of um, entertainment. But give us a follow on Twitter at Around the Funnel. Uh, the website's www.scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. You can follow us um, and subscribe to us on all the usual podcast channels, so be sure to do that. And if you want to leave us a review or a rating, then you can do that on the likes of iTunes, where you get your Apple podcasts. Uh, but Mark, uh, it's been enjoyable. We don't have much football to look forward to club-wise, but I know you're, you'll be keeping busy. So what's your highlight of the weekend going to be coming up? Right now, I'm on the BBC Sport website with a page from Monday the 29th of May 2006 where Dick Advocat is talking about how well An Jung Hwan would do 
when he signs for Hearts. Whatever happened there, huh? What could have been? Mm. <laughs> On that note, we'll see you next time.